that's been good, huh? Those guys can worship. And I'm thankful that they lead us week in and week out to do the very same thing. It has been a good morning so far. I, uh, I think it's going to continue to be one. My name is Keaton. I'm one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel, and I thought it would be fun to start uh, our time now with a look at the screen. So we're going to throw some images up there. I don't know what sort of emotions that particular picture evokes in you, but I immediately think of the revenue office. And you pull that number, you look at the number, you look at the now serving number, and you're like, golly, I have to confess. So (laughs) I pull the number. I leave and go run errands, and then I come back and just walk in like, yep, that's my number. And, and if that uh, just crawls all over you and I've caused you, a brother or sister, to stumble, I am so sorry. Felt like I needed to just get that out there before you guys this morning. Uh, how about this next one? I think one of the slogans for this place is called uh, the happiest place on earth. You're welcome to your own opinions about whether or not that's true. I, I I don't know if I can get down with that, but wait time, 300 minutes. You know what this reminds me of? Have you ever met the person uh, with the little bitty kiddo, and you're like, oh, man, your kid is so cute. How old are they? And they say, "Uh, 27 months last week, and you're like, that kid is two. Stop saying 27 months. They're two years old. That's what this makes me think of. Your wait time, they thought it was super funny, or they're ready for me to stop. Your wait time is 300 minutes? No, it's not. That's five hours. Five hours. No thank you, happiest place on earth. Uh, What about this next one? It's like, if it's that long or you have to think that hard, it's not, it shouldn't be a text. It just shouldn't. Just send the text. What are some, uh, so all of those things involve us doing what? Waiting. How many of you love waiting? It's your favorite. Guess what? If you're sitting in the front, nobody's hands went up behind you. None. What are some other things we wait on? What was it? Doctors. Yep. What else? Our kids. No doubt. No matter how many. What? Okay. Can you believe nobody in the first service? Anyway. We're going to move on before I step into some territory I'm not prepared to do battle in. Today we're going to talk, continuing in our series, Kingdom Heroes. Uh, We've got some new characters today, Abraham and Sarah. Uh, They had a name change to Abraham and Sarah. Once upon a time, they were named Abram and Sarai, and I'm probably saying that wrong, and I'm probably going to mix up when we're talking about them, if their name had already changed or hadn't changed. Just bear with me on that. Uh, Abram or Abraham and Sarai or Sarah. We'll be talking about these two this morning. Uh, and a couple of other people, but predominantly them. And we're going to talk about this uh, this idea by faith. Wait for it. Wait. By faith, wait. If you will, open your copy of God's Word, uh, whether that's flipping through pages or 
um, clicking an app on your phone or whatever. We're going to be in Hebrews 11 and verse 8. Hebrews 11 and verse 8. It says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Verse 11. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. How many of you thought this morning this was my timer? It is not. When it runs out, we're still going to be here. So buckle up. Now I'm teasing. Hopefully we're not here that long. Uh, Abraham was promised his descendants as many as the sand on the seashore. We don't have seashore sand, but we do have blue matching our background sand. We're going to jump down now to verse 17. We'll come back to those verses we skipped after a while. Verse 17 it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense... Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Father in heaven, we're grateful for your word as we sung earlier on which we rely. As we wait, we pray that you would speak to us through your word in a mighty way. Give us the confidence to trust it above what we think Above any of our circumstances, help us to rely confidently and wait patiently for you to speak your peace into our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to look back at a little bit of um, the story of, of Abram and Sarai um, in the Old Testament. So if you'll go to Genesis, the first book of the Bible... Chapter 12, we're not going to read all of this. It's like 10 or 11 chapters worth of stuff here, and we just don't have time to cover all of that. There's some really good stuff. There's some really super messed up stuff in there, too. Um, we're just going to kind of hit the high points today. Genesis chapter 12, we're going to start reading verse 1 of chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. 
all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all of his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his house at Haran, and he headed for the land of Canaan. So Abram, as he was called back then, he acted by faith on what God told him to do. Says that the Lord spoke to him and told him to leave his homeland. Okay, so Abram is 75 years old. He spent all of those years in Haran, his homeland. And all of a sudden, God comes to him and says, I want you to pack up everything, all your people, leave. And he doesn't even tell him where he's going, like we read in Hebrews. Abram acted by faith on what God told him to do. He left his homeland waiting on God to tell him even where he was going. He finally does get to the land of Canaan, and Abram makes camp, but he, he packs up camp. He moves around quite a few times. Uh, again, we're not going to have time to read through all that, but he, he bounces around, and we, we see that he just didn't quite feel comfortable settling in anywhere. But he did what God told him to do. He acted on faith. If you were to read through, and I encourage you to do, maybe even this week if you, if you have time to do that, he talks more about his relationship with Lot. Um, in these chapters of Genesis, we come across this name Melchizedek, which is another name that shows up in Hebrews in a pretty cool way as it relates to our Savior Jesus. But we don't have time for that right now. I want us to go to chapter 15, verse 5. Chapter 15 of Genesis, verse 5. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, listen to this, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Man, wouldn't that be awesome if your name and my name was in that sentence? that we believe the Lord and the Lord counted it to us as righteous because of our faith. So God, God gives this promise to Abram that his descendants would be so many he couldn't possibly count them. And he issues this promise. Now Abram and Sarai, they get anxious and they get impatient. And they've heard this promise from the Lord, but... Oh, they just don't want to wait to see it happen. So they come up with an alternative. They intervene into God's plan in a, like, super weird way, okay? Again, read it on your own time, but we don't have time there today. And then, as we keep reading through the chapters of Genesis, we see that God makes another covenant with Abram. He changes his name to Abraham. And he changes Sarai's name to Sarah. And he does this to set his people apart from the other nations. Some other things are set or cut apart too. But anyway, so Abram and Sarai, they intervene in like a weird way. God makes another covenant, changes their names. He does kind of a weird thing too. But it's all to set these people apart for his glory. And then... The Lord sends messengers to come 
to Abraham and Sarah. And they tell the couple, now, this couple, Abraham is almost 100 years old now. Almost 100 years old. Sarah is almost 90 years old. The first promise they got was when Abram was 75. Now his name's different. 25 years have passed almost. And these messengers come and they say, by this time next year, you're going to have a son born to you as promised by God. And it's going to be done the right way this time. Do you know what they did in response to this promise? They laughed at God. Couldn't believe it. Are you serious, God? Sarah said, I'm 90 years old. This old timer is 100. What are you talking about? You're going to give us a son. They laughed at God. After that, God destroys two cities completely. This woman turns to salt. Her daughters do some super messed up stuff. Abraham does some other messed up stuff. God does some really, really cool stuff. And then we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 21. I would love to go into the detail of all, well, I don't know about love. I'd like to go into some of the detail of that for this reason. I don't know if y'all ever have talked through Hebrews 11 in the past before, but you hear these stories of men and women of great faith, and they just seem out of touch. Like, we could, I could never be that. They, they're just too far out of reach. But they were sinners, and they were impatient with God, and they did some crazy, like, heinous stuff. So why did their name make the cut? We think about these kingdom heroes as if we're walking through a museum and we see these great men and women of faith and they have a, they have a bust of their likeness and we're like, man, how did they get this? It was by faith. The faith measured to them by God that then they acted on. It wasn't because they were perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You and I need to act on the faith God gives us. That's what we that's what we are required to do. Genesis 21, chapter 1. The Lord kept his word. He always does, doesn't he, church? He always does, doesn't he, church? The Lord keeps his word. And he did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant. She gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. Listen to this. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Finally, the promised son is born to them. The waiting, it's ended. They got what they were promised. How many of you can testify to the fact that you've waited on something from God, and maybe this something he did deliver. Obviously not in the time you thought he should, but he did deliver it. But the waiting's still not quite over, is it? People of God, we, we still have seasons of waiting, don't we? Let's look at the verses that we skipped in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 verse 13. It says, all these people, we just talked about Abraham and Sarah. I think probably the author could include any of those 
people that we've talked about in previous weeks in this series. All of these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance, and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let's connect the dots a little bit from Abraham, Sarah, these people of faith to us here today in Benton, Arkansas. If we go over just a couple of chapters, Hebrews 13, 14 says kind of the same thing in a different way, and it goes like this. Hebrews 13, 14. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Isn't that true? I know we're waiting on a bunch of different stuff in each of our lives today, probably. But we're all, as children of God, if we are in fact children of God, have this unrest in us, don't we? Something about this world is, is partially revealed. There's parts of things we encounter that are have been redeemed. There's a redemptive kind of thumbprint on some things, but it's just not quite right, is it? Our world is broken by sin. The creation that Almighty God spun into order so long ago in a perfect way has been crippled. We found chinks in the armor, and it's just not quite right. Child of God, that's because this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. Back in the early 1900s, there was a man by the name of Richard Wormbrand. Richard Wormbrand. He was an evangelical minister who endured, who endured listen to this, 14 years of communist imprisonment and torture in his homeland of Romania. He was recognized in Romania as one of the greatest Christian leaders and teachers. But in 1945, when the communists seized Romania and attempted to take control of the churches, Pastor Wormbrand began this effective underground ministry to the oppressed believers. Listen to this. He ministered to oppressed believers as well as the Russian soldiers occupying his country. Isn't it crazy how God connects the dots between the people of faith back when and, and us today? Listen to this. So Pastor Wormbrand and his wife, Sabina, they began this ministry underground to believers. He was arrested in 1948, and his wife was as well. And then in 1966, he testified to the U.S. Senate Internal Security Subcommittee. And in that hearing, he stripped his shirt away and revealed 18 scars from torture wounds that he had received in that 14 years of imprisonment. 
his story was told in newspapers in the United States and Europe and Asia. And uh, Pastor Wormbrand was warned even later that year that the Romanian communist regime planned to assassinate him, but he would not be silenced. He's one of the founders of the Voice of the Martyrs. He and his wife, their message remained the same. Listen to this. Imprisoned for 14 years by an invading communist country, he says this, hate the evil systems, but love your persecutors. Love their souls and try to win them for Christ. 14 years in prison. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't woe is me, pity himself. He was on mission. He wasn't able to provide relief and minister to many of these underground believers, but he set his sights on, yes, hating the evil system, hating the injustice, but loving those who persecuted him, who put those scars on him, loving their souls and trying to win them for Christ. He waited well on the Lord. William Carey, he's known as the father of modern missions by many. In the early 19th century, he, he waited seven years for his very first convert. Seven years. He preached the gospel of Jesus with no one repenting. That actually reminds me of a biblical character, Isaiah, a prophet of old. God told him in a very familiar passage, he just had a super cool encounter, and, and God said, I want you to go and be a messenger. I want you to speak to a people. Listen to this. I want you to speak to a people who will not hear a word you say. In fact, the message you speak will harden their hearts against me. They will have eyes but be blind to the truth, ears but not hear your message. Their hearts will become hard and stony. Isaiah said, Lord, how long am I supposed to do this? How long do you want me to preach your message without any response from, from anyone? And God told him, until their towns are empty, until their houses are deserted, and the whole country is a wasteland. God said, I want you to preach until you run everybody off. No one is going to listen. Not now, not, you're going to run them out of town. It's strange, isn't it? Sometimes God calls us to wait, and we think that wait is going to end in a certain way, and we'll finally get that relief, that elation, that, that excitement. And sometimes God calls us to wait and to wait and to wait and the way we think it should pan out is not how it pans out, is it? But that's not our business. Listen, you and I don't have the power to do much of anything. Surely not the power to share the good news of the gospel and expect that someone's going to just be changed, that their heart is going to be pricked with conviction, that their stony heart is going to be soft enough for that, that they're going to be transformed by the gospel, we don't have that power. 
So what's our job? Our job is to plant and to water and to allow God to give the increase. Because church, if you believe it, say amen. He's the only one capable. He is. So what do I do, Keaton? You just exercise faith. Whatever God tells you to do, just do it. The results are not up to you. You couldn't control them. You and I are not powerful enough to do it. We just need to be faithful to what God has told us to do. God finally blessed Abraham and Sarah with this baby boy, Isaac. Man, I, I can't imagine the joy in their heart when that happened. Isaac grew a little bit. The Bible says that sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. He called to Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. God said, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, the son whom you love so much, and I want you to go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering unto me. Look, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't have that measure of faith. I do not. If God said, Keaton, I want you to go and sacrifice your child today as an offering to me, here I am. I just don't think it would come out of this mouth. But Abraham said, here I am. The son that you promised, God. You promised. You would make a great nation, and you said, this is the son son you'll do it through. What do you mean, go and sacrifice him? How can I do that? The scripture says Abraham had faith enough that if, if God said, do it, I'll go kill him on the altar, and if he wants to, he'll raise him back from the dead. I don't know how God's going to intervene. I don't know what he's going to do. All I know is he's never let me down. Not one time. I, on the other hand, have let him down, but not God. God has always been faithful. So what did Abraham do this time in waiting for God to reveal how he was going to make this all right? I'll tell you this, he didn't sit on his hands. The Bible says Abraham got up the next morning early. He went to work, he saddled up his donkeys, he chopped firewood, and they set out on a three-day journey. They got close to where they were going to be. Abraham said to his servants, I want you to stay here with these donkeys. He took the wood for this offering and he loaded it up on his son's back. And he said, he and I, we're going to go worship. When we're done, we're coming back. And so he took fire and a knife. His son took the wood that he would be offered up on and they set out to climb this mountain. On the way up, Isaac said, Father, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where's the lamb for sacrifice? And Abraham said, don't you worry, son, the Lord will provide. And so they climb up this mountain, they get to where they're going. And Abraham sets the wood up 
for this sacrifice on this altar, he ties up his only son on top of it. And he raises a knife in his hand, ready to plunge it down on his only son, whom he loves. And then he hears a voice from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And what's he say? Here I am. The voice of the angel says, don't lay a hand on him. Don't hurt him in any way. Now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. God provided. And then Abraham looks out of the corner of his eye. Do you know what he sees? A ram caught in a thicket. Caught by his horns even. So as not to be scarred or in any way have a blemish which is a whole other story for another day. But God took care of it. So they take that ram and they offer it on the, on the altar and they worship God together, father and son. And then they return back to his servants just as Abraham said that they would. Wow, what a measure of faith. Abraham waited on God to do something and he pulled through as he always does. You catch the parallels in that story of Isaac and Abraham and, and Jesus. Isaac carried the same wood that would be the death of him on his back. Our Savior, Jesus, the Son of God, carried his own torture device, the cross up the hill of Calvary. Isaac was a young, strong man. Abraham was well over 100 years old. Isaac could have physically stopped him from doing what he was doing. Jesus is the most powerful person to have ever walked the face of the earth. He could have come off of that cross on which he hung, not only wiped out everybody in close proximity, but just everybody, period. But he willingly submitted to the will of the Father so that he could die innocently and his blood be shed for the forgiveness of your sins and mine. God provided a lamb for Abraham and Isaac to sacrifice and worship. Jesus Christ is the spotless lamb of the living God. A perfect sacrifice to cover the many sins of you and of me. Jesus died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb, but praise be to God, he was raised to life three days later. Amen? So that we would recognize our need for him, our complete inadequacy, our complete hopelessness, and place our faith in Jesus that we too would die to our sin, be buried with Christ, and raised to walk in new life. Thank you, God. We praise you, God. So what are you waiting for today? What are you waiting for today? Maybe you don't have to stretch 
too far from what Abraham and Sarah experienced. Maybe you're waiting on a baby. And you cannot understand why God wouldn't bless you with this. Bless you with this child whom you want to raise to love the Lord. But you're waiting. Maybe you're waiting on a job. And you say, God, I just need you to intervene in my finances. I need to go from the red to the black. I promise I'll be faithful with those resources you give. I want to be a blessing to other people like Abraham. His family was a blessing to the world. I want that, but God has told you to wait. Maybe it's a spouse. You think, God, I, I just know that we would be a team that would be great for the glory of God and for the good of his kingdom. But God is saying, wait. Maybe it's your health or the health of a loved one. And it's failing. And you think, God, step in. Heal me. Heal them. But God is saying, wait. Maybe it's a wayward child. And you know from God's word, he longs for them to follow Jesus. But up until now, they will not repent and give their life over to him. Why, God, would you ask me to wait for that? Maybe it's future plans. Maybe it's a house. Maybe it's direction in a decision. Maybe it's restoration. Maybe it's a reconciled relationship. Maybe it's deliverance from addiction. I don't know what you're waiting on today. But I know we're all waiting on something. And I know we are all, as children of God, waiting on one of the same things. And that's for Jesus to come back and to make everything right so that we can establish ourselves on an eternal foundation so that we can experience the full redemption of God's creation. The band's going to come forward now, and if you need to come forward and to beg God in your waiting, you can do that right now. You need to cry out to God. You're welcome to come up here to these steps and just pour your heart out to him, even now. Maybe you need to do that from your seat. We're going to sing in a minute, and maybe you just need to keep seated and pour your heart out to God. I don't know what you're waiting on, but chances are you're waiting on something. And the fact is, as children of God, we're all waiting on one thing. I don't know, maybe today you're not a child of God. And I would say to you, what are you waiting on? Trust him. It won't be easy. I just gave you stories of people whose plans were thwarted. They were physically hurt because they followed Jesus, but I'm telling you it's worth it. If you don't know Jesus, there's no reason to wait. But if you have something else that you're waiting on God to come through on, in these moments, pour your heart out to him wherever you need to do that. 
I'm going to read some scripture over us, and then we'll sing. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Respond to God this morning and wait well on him.